The time has come, so turn up the sound. It's time for Buried Broadway. Hiya. Hello. I'm Jen Beverelli. And I'm Mikey Beverelli. And welcome to Buried Broadway, where we discover, dissect, and demystify forgotten Broadway musicals that we most likely found on vinyl for a dollar. So, Mikey. Yes, Jen. We forgot one very important piece of information on our last episode. Wait, what did we forget? To tell everyone that we are going down to once a month. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I hope you all weren't waiting too long. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we did not communicate that properly. Yeah. But here we are, back again, ready for another podcast. And we will continue to do it once every single month. Yes, correct. Just so we're all on the same page once a month. But we will pop up on other things from time to time, just in case you want to hear our voices, including next month where Jen and I will be on an episode of Poe Theater on the Air. Yeah, it was super fun. It's not like this at all. Mm -mm. It's a scripted drama and we are playing lovers in it (laughs) yes so check out poe theater on the air you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts and we are on the episode called hop frog yes and you can listen to that episode by itself but there is a little bit of a story arc going on so if you wanted to listen to some previous episodes I would suggest it. They are pretty fun. And as Mikey says, they keep spooky season alive. (laughs) Year round. Year round spooky season. But if even that is not enough for you, you can become a patron on our Patreon and get a lot of extra bits and bobs. Yeah. So firstly, we would like to thank our very first blooper boo, Valerie Rigsby Dubriel. Yeah, I hope you're enjoying our bloopers and that hope we're not embarrassing ourselves too much. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we would like to thank our first bookworm brain, Laura Rocklin. I hope that all of our little notes are proving to be very interesting and are taking you down your own little rabbit holes of information. Yes, thank you so much, you two. We appreciate you both so, so much and we hope that you are enjoying some extra stuff so if you're interested in supporting us please visit patreon.com slash buried broadway and you can check out our different membership levels you can support us for as low as one dollar per month now for some free extra stuff because who doesn't love free extra stuff Mm -hmm. you can always follow us on instagram at buried broadway for more trivia on today's show Or follow our Facebook page by searching for Buried Broadway. Or to get all the info you could ever need on our podcast, you can visit our website. If you want to get in touch, just follow this address. It's B-E-V-A-R-E-L-L-I dot com. So today's show is none other than Hallelujah, Baby, 
exclamation point. <laughs> the exclamation point is important. And the comma. I didn't say the comma. So it's <laughs> hallelujah, comma, baby, exclamation point. <laughs> Music by Julie Stein and book by Arthur Lawrence. Lyrics by Adolph Green and Betty Comden. We bought this album at, I think, Unique Thrift or something like that. I Nothing believe so. of note or of interest. <laughs> Moving on. So Hallelujah Baby opened on Broadway after 22 previews on April 26, 1967 and closed January 13, 1968 after 293 performances. It was held at the Martin Beck Theater six years after Milk and Honey, which was featured in episode two. In 2003, the Martin Beck Theater was renamed the Al Hirschfeld Theater. We saw Kinky Boots there as well as Moulin Rouge. So other shows playing at the time included Man of La Mancha, The Happy Time, How Now Dow Jones, Cabaret, Sweet Charity, and The Apple Tree. It was nominated for several Tonys, including Best Performance by a Leading Actor in a Musical, Robert Hooks, Best Direction of a Musical, Bert Shevlov, Best Choreography, Kevin Carlyle, Best Costume Design, Irene Sharaf. In addition to being nominated, it won several Tonys, including Best Musical, Best Original Score, Best Producer of a Musical, Best Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical, Lillian Heyman, and Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical, Leslie Uggams. Now, technically, she was tied with Patricia Rutledge for her role in Darling of the Day. Leslie Uggams also won a Theatre World Award for her performance. So we can't get into this show without first talking about Leslie Uggams because obviously she's the star of this show mm -hmm. and you're going to hear her and we're going to talk about her a lot. Mm -hmm. So Leslie Uggams was born on May 25th, 1943 in Harlem, New York. Her mother was a cotton club chorus girl and her father was an elevator operator and maintenance man. She attended the Juilliard Professional Children's School for Young Performers alongside Marvin Hamlish and Christopher Walken. Now, you can hear Christopher Walken in the ensemble of High Spirits when he was still going by Ronnie Walken. I believe that is episode five, if you want to go back and find it. It's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. So, Leslie Uggams was a child actor, having numerous bit roles in TV variety shows of the time, as well as walk-on roles in sitcoms. She even had her own variety show at age 26, The Leslie Uggams Show, and it was the first network variety show to be hosted by a black person since The Nat King Cole Show. We suspect it was because of this show that she was asked to star in Hallelujah Baby after Lena Horne declined the role for mysterious reasons, even though it was written for her. Now, Leslie Uggams starred in Roots, which she was nominated for an Emmy Award, and she won an Emmy in 1983 for Fantasy. We cannot even begin to name the amount of famous people in Roots, but it has a ton. If you don't know it, go look it up. It's pretty epic. Mm -hmm. She had some great roles on the Broadway stage, including Jerry's Girls, Anything Goes, On Golden Pond, and I also saw her as Muzzy in Thoroughly Modern Millie. If you haven't seen her legendary performance of June is busting out all over, then what have you been doing with your life and have you been living under a rock? She performed it at the Capitol Fourth Celebration in 1995. Now, her cue card person fell down and she didn't know the words, so she improvised. I mean, 
to be fair, those words are pretty ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I will put it on Instagram unless somehow Leslie Uggams took all of them down. Because I know there was a point where (laughs) she kept reporting all of them. So they were like, it was really hard to find. But we will find it for you. I will. Now, for those of you who are not as familiar with her, she has done some recent things. Uh, She recently starred in Empire and is in both Deadpool films. Also, we have to talk about the composer before we begin because... He is such a legend. Julie Stein was born on December 31st, 1905 in London to Ukrainian grocers. His given name was Julius, like Orange Julius, Mm -hmm. with his last name being Stein, S-T-E-I-N, so different spelling. So yeah, his last name is spelled S-T-Y-N-E. Really good for the podcast medium for us to (laughs) try and explain that. He changed his name to firstly seem less Jewish because that was a trend of the time. A lot of anti-Semitism happening. Mm -hmm. And also to avoid confusion with Dr. Jules Stein, S-T-E-I-N. That was the head of the music corporation at the time. So he didn't want people to think he was that guy. At eight, his family moved to Chicago and he started studying at the Chicago College of Music. At 13, he was told by a teacher he would never be a concert pianist because his hands were too small. So he turned to dance music, and in high school, he started playing for a burlesque house and started an addiction to gambling. Now, Stein wrote his first hit in 1926 with the song Sunday to impress a girl. Isn't that how it all begins yes (laughs) a lot of times he played piano with big jazz bands and started his own with which he played for the chicago mob on numerous occasions then he moved to new york city to be a vocal coach and conductor and ended up coaching many stars including shirley temple adorable julie stein wrote songs for movie musicals and had a rocky relationship with frank sinatra One of his most famous songs from this period, which you will be hearing a lot in the coming month, is Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. And yes, the song title is Let It Snow three times, which I didn't know until... And uh, exclamation points! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) After his movie period, he turned his head towards stage musicals. His numerous Broadway shows include High Button Shoes... Now, fun fact, he produced Pal Joey, which makes the line in Avenue Q very interesting. High button shoes, Pal Joey. (laughs) So what should it matter to me? Uh, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen prefer blondes. Two on the Isle, which is the start of a collaboration with Comden and Green. My personal favorite, Peter Pan. He wrote three select songs. Do, Re, Mi, also with Comden and Green. Oh, Peter Pan was also calmed in and green. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Subways are for sleeping, also calmed in and green. Fade in, fade out, also calmed in and green. Bells are ringing, also calmed in and green. Then Gypsy, not calmed in and green. And Funny Girl, not calmed in and green. Well, Stein considered Rosa's Turn the best song he ever wrote, and Gypsy was also his only collaboration with Stephen Sondheim. He was married twice in his life. The first time was to Ethel Rubinstein. They had two boys. They were married for 25 years before their divorce in 1952. 
Julie Stein's second wife was Margaret Ann Bissett Brown, an English model in 1962. He was 57 and she was... Okay, well, we have no idea how old she is because we tried to find it and we could not find it. But she is still alive, so... She was probably significantly younger. (laughs) They had two children. Julie Stein died on September 20th, 1994 at the age of 88. So for the first time in a while, this record has what we like to call the elevator pitch on the back. Just a very, very short couple sentence summary of the entire show. So take it away, Mikey. Now, before I read this, throughout this entire summary, there's an outdated term that I'm going to replace. Um, I'll, I'll say it during the elevator pitch, but after that, I'm going to replace it. And the outdated term is the word Negro, uh, because remember, this was written in 1960. Seven, So that was an okay term, but it makes me feel uncomfortable. So I'm only going to say it once and then I'm going to replace it. Hallelujah, baby, is a show with an unusual form. It goes from decade to decade over a period of 60 years, but none of the characters get older. The The magic of Hollywood. (laughs) It's very confusing to me. (laughs) The first musical about one of the most important subjects in the USA It is the story of what's been happening between Negroes and whites during the last 60 years. It's about people, and it's about time. In show business, time is everything, and for Leslie Uggams, the time is now. She is about to bust out and be the biggest thing on Broadway. You can witness this explosion every night but Sunday at the Martin Beck Theater in New York. And when the dust settles, it spells hallelujah, baby. Who wrote that? I don't know. (laughs) Here's the overture. Oh, there's a little blurb before the overture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hallelujah, baby starts with a scene in this country at the turn of the century. Georgina, Leslie Uggams, a black maid who wants more, and her mama, Lillian Heyman, are at work in the kitchen of rich white folk. To the overture. To the overture. exciting overture it was i don't think it belongs where you said it belongs Mm-mm. i mean it's, slash the back cover says it belongs. yes exactly i i did it because i said that because it, it is on the back cover um that is the placement but who knows it was still fun <laughs> yeah who knows if there's people on stage or not it's the overture i wouldn't imagine there would be it just doesn't feel like the backing track for two people doing housework no i mean it could be i guess you could dance with your mop (laughs) but i don't know i don't imagine this to be like chicago or anything that has like a fully staged Overture. overture nope but it does have a bunch of money chords and a bunch of brass which is pretty much what i'm looking for in an overture so i'm excited yes so that was the overture let's say overture one more time overture (laughs) 
Georgina wants to leave the kitchen and take up with Clem, her boyfriend. Wait, Georgina is Leslie Uggams. Correct. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. But Mama is against her marrying any, quote, boy. Georgina wants a life of her own, which is where she sings the first big song, Oh, My Own Morning. That was fast. Let's go. I want a door that belongs to me. I want a bed that belongs to me. I want to know when I climb into bed, I wake up in my nice little earworm of a song yes but i have to say i will never remember the words she says i'm just gonna make up i wanna whatever that belongs to me (laughs) (laughs) i'm never gonna remember what she's talking about so i guess that's kind of appropriate considering she forgot all the words to june is busting out all over (laughs) i will not let her live that down ever but i really like it yeah it's a very powerful opening song. It's interesting that it's not opening with an ensemble number, but I like musicals that do get right to the point and just show you the main character's I want song. Well, I also think that maybe they're setting us up to follow her throughout this time jump that mm-hmm. we're doing. Because maybe it's not about... Some shows are ensemble and some shows are more focused, and I feel like this one might be a little more focused. Yes, Actually, it's extremely focused to the point where the I want song, she constantly says, I want this, I want this. Oh, that's true. It's a little on the nose. But I think it's okay for it to come early. It kind of feels like um, In My Own Little Corner from Cinderella. Yeah. That comes pretty early. You're right. Because some people don't know what they want. (laughs) And some people do know what they want. And Georgina knows So let's not tiptoe around. Let's just get right to the point. I know it's early, but I do have a rhyme. I'm not saying it's my favorite rhyme, but I just have to say that Betty Comden and Adolph Green, kudos to you because this is actually like a heartwarming and heart-wrenching lyric. It's where every hour is golden, no one to whom I'm beholden. I love that. It's really, really good. And that's, I can't say anything else. It's just perfect. <laughs> the end. Let's so go. At least you know two lines of the song. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with the <laughs> I want whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Let's keep going. Yes. Her boyfriend, Clem, is a Pullman porter. What is that? I believe it's someone who works on a train. Cool. Yes. Hot from the train, he runs in to see Georgina, who has been expecting him to come tell her he's finally bought the house they've been saving for. But Clem, played by Robert Hooks, can report no such triumph. Mm. Sure, he had the money, but somehow the price of the house got put up sky high. Hmm. And when he got in a poker game to improve his stake... There was this white policeman who came in, which leads to the next song, The Slice. 
This does not sound good. He took a slice. He took a slice. Right out of the cake. 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 Go in the custom out this way. He says. To share with Sergeant Gray. He says. Whenever there's a game of cards or dice, he took a slice. That's a really upbeat song for not a not a happy situation. But that's because Clem is really, really positive and I admire his mindset. I guess that's what you have to do. To get through life. Mm-hmm. But we learned a lot. Yeah. It was a very informative song. <laughs> like the policeman is messed up. Uh-huh. He pulls a gun on them. Yes. Takes some of the money. Yeah. Then he comes back. With a KKK hood? Yeah, a pillowcase. Takes <laughs> the rest. Well, yeah, he says yeah, a yeah, pillowcase, yeah. but I think we, we know can all infer what that means. <laughs> and he takes the rest of the money. Uh-huh. Ay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the weirdest part for me is that the part where we talk about the KKK hood sounded eerily Christmassy to me. <laughs> it did. Just the core, like the melody, I don't know. It sounded Christmassy, so I felt like kind of happy for a second, and then I realized what they were talking about, and I was like, oh no! Uh-uh. I want to know what happens. All right. Even though he won and has the provers to prove it. The provers? That's what it says. The provers to prove it. <laughs> By the time the winnings were divvied up according to the local police protection customs, they were also gone. What? What? Police protection customs? I don't know. One white gentleman gambler tried to help Clem, but failed. Mr. Harvey, played by Alan Case, a bemused theatrical producer putting on a local show about the Civil War. What is happening? Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, so this white guy comes out of the woodwork yes. and is like, I'm going to help you, Clem. <laughs> also, BT dubs, I'm a Broadway producer? I, I, I guess, but... I'll just keep going, and then maybe it'll make more sense? Sure, sure, sure. When Harvey comes by and casts Georgina in the role of a banjo-playing maid... Why? Why would he do that? (laughs) I don't know. She decides she would much rather play a maid on stage than in real life and quickly learns to play the banjo. Oh, that's good. But the local theater owner feels that casting a black person unrealistic politically and georgina is fired what the actual heck (sighs) wait what time period is this uh i believe it's it's the early 1900s okay um but what okay i'm grumpy move on i'm yeah she learned the banjo (laughs) the show's already making me feel uncomfortable which is good it should make you feel something yes i guess we move to the 20s and into a nightclub Managed by Mr. Harvey. Yay! Georgina's in the chorus line, wearing peacock feathers in back, and nothing much at all in the front. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, wait, I think I've seen a picture of this. Oh, really? Yeah, she's in, like, kind of a glittery bikini. Oh, okay. Well, that's... I will put it on the Instagram. (laughs) As one of the Congo cuties, she performs with... Uh, That's uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. As one of the Congo cuties, she performs with the Corines, supporting Tip and Tap, 
featured black dancers. Do in... they tap dance? <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> featured black dancers in red suits, derbies and spats, doing the kind of incredibly limber knee jazz dancing that once caused a whole race of people to be thought to have rhythm. It's called Feet Do Yo Stuff. I wish I could see a video of it. For sure. This is definitely one of those songs that's meant to be seen as well as heard. Yeah, it kind of gives me Hotbox Girls kind of feel, but definitely more jazzy and less whiny screechy. I bet. I haven't looked, but I bet if you search the song on YouTube, you will probably find a bunch of dance routines to it because it's that type of song. It it does kind of remind me of uh, We'll Take a Glass Together from uh, Grand Hotel, though. Why? Because they start talking about all the different dance oh, like styles. the Charleston. And um, presumably they're doing them as they're saying them. Yeah, they're also saying just random words that I'm not sure are dances. <laughs> but maybe they go with dance moves. I don't know. Who knows? Let's keep going. I want to know what happens. Trouble comes. Trouble has already come, but okay. So much trouble has come. Okay, wait, no, actually, that trouble was a while ago, wasn't it? True. Now, now that the policeman was at least 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. minimum. We're not sure. Even though, again, no one has aged. That's fine. Trouble comes when a foreign prince, not understanding... Prince Ali, (laughs) fabulous, Ali above. What? Okay. Not understanding our local bylaws or why lovely Georgina is not allowed to sit down at his table starts throwing punches. A riot ensues, and because they are black, Georgina and Clem, now a waiter, gets fired. Oh. So does Harvey, for that matter. How does Harvey? I thought Harvey owned it. (laughs) Wait, yes. I don't know. This is confusing. Clem decides to cut loose and be somebody big. Like a bootlegger. He's Wait, what's that? A bootlegger. Someone who uh, makes alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or okay. smuggles it. There's just been so many definitions of bootleg. Yes. That I just... Yes, okay. This, I believe yeah, this is... Yeah, because it's the 20s, mm-hmm. so prohibition. Great. So he's going to make a moonshine. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's tired of getting pushed around. Maybe he can make his own weather for a change. Which leads to his first big song, Watch My Dust. As opposed to eat my dust. <laughs> yes, watch it. Take a look at it. <laughs> All right. I get to so switch the track. Watch my steam and I'll be back with your dream. I'll make it or bust. Just watch my dust. You'll have that door and that floor and more. And a chair and a bed in your own. That was a fun song, getting to know more about Clem. 
Yeah, and I like that he uses her language that she used before in her I Want song to reiterate what they want together and what he wants to give her. I thought that was really sweet. Oh, oh, very nice. Yeah. Also, he kind of sounds like Frank Sinatra, which I'm not <laughs> mad about. I do His like voice the is style. buttery. It's mm-hmm. nice. I hope we do get to hear a lot more of him in this show. Well, considering he got a Tony nomination, I'm sure we do. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think we can just keep going. Georgina tries to thank Harvey for defending her, but the words don't come out right because she can't quite get herself to say his name out loud. Wait, who? Harvey. She can't say Harvey? I guess. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Is she cursed? <laughs> he leaves, and Clem and Georgina are joined by Mama, who hands Georgina the feather duster that indicates her future. What if the only jobs available to them are menial? Be grateful. Is that a quote? No. Oh. It just says be grateful, period. I don't know, but this does lead into the next song. These songs come really (laughs) fast. Rapid fire. Uh, The next song is Smile, Smile. Just keep shoving along. Smile, smile. Just keep humming along. Smile, smile. Flash your teeth, show your gums. They look nice against black. Roll your eyes back and go yak, 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 yak. Just keep bobbing your head, smile, smile. And when you're laid out and dead, smile, smile. Keep alive the proud tradition. You're descended from. You're the great, great grandchild of the 32nd cousin of dear old Uncle Tom. Well, I like what this song is trying to say. Mm-hmm. The problem that I have is the reality that a bunch of white people wrote this. Yeah. And I feel uncomfortable. The, the whole thing did make me feel uncomfortable, but not in the like way that like good theater makes you feel uncomfortable. It's more of the... Why is this happening? Yes, exactly. I agree. And I think, I mean, I don't know how this show ends. I don't know if I will like this show in the end. But if I do, I feel like maybe if we wanted to do this show nowadays, having a person of color rewrite this song Mm -hmm. with the same message would be good because the message is good yeah like persevere and smile and be proud of who you are no matter what the world is throwing at you that's a great message and that is what a lot of people of color had to do because of racism and that's the point that i think they're trying to make they're just going about it by throwing out these stereotypes it doesn't feel genuine It feels like it's gone through a white filter. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. All I can say is how I feel, and I feel not good. Yep. And that's, you know, again, this is just our perspective. I'm sure by the end, 
I'll have a solid, or a little more solid, thought. Yes. On to the 30s. Oh, wow. Okay. The menial market is gone on account of the Depression. White folks are doing their own cleaning, so that's out. Ah, okay. On the other hand, there's the WPA, which I had to look up. It's the Works Process Administration. Okay. And the Federal Theater. And Georgina has a job in project number 4650-3, a kind of socially... What a beautiful number. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's so specific. A kind of socially significant Jazz Macbeth. What? She's one of the witches. This is real. This is Voodoo Macbeth. Oh, that is Voodoo Macbeth. Yes. Okay, so we've seen a version of this. Mm. We're not getting into it. Nope, nope. So if you want to know a little bit more about Voodoo Macbeth, Mikey is going to tell us more on our bloopers and bygone bits, which is available on our Patreon. This leads directly into the next song, which is Witch's Brew. Ooh, spooky ooky. Now he's just spectator man, but soon he be dictator man. Where's The power get trouble, but the rich don't care. Where's the harmony in this filthy air? When, when, when shall we free me again? So that song's kind of refreshing because it, it's 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 a fun song. It's like directly being performed. Yeah, it's really bouncy and fun. And I really like how when they say, I forget what it is, but they say something about their voices being in harmony. Their voices are in harmony. I don't know. I just like very cheesy stuff like that. Because honestly, it would really bother me if their voices (laughs) were in unison when they said that. Because what the heck? Yes. And me personally, they're witches. I think that's spooky. And I think that's fun. Yeah. But they have funny southern accents. <laughs> they do. Like, overly done. Like, they all sound like Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Three Blanches. <laughs> Not really. Both Clem and Harvey are reduced to standing in breadlines and volunteering for appointments to debutantes scavenger hunts. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> I've heard of breadlines. I have not heard of debutante scavenger hunts. Volunteering for appointments to debutantes scavenger hunts. What? I have no idea. I feel like this is definitely. I don't like... even know how to Google that. No. Uh, okay. Google it. So it seems like the scavenger hunts in the 30s were set up by debutantes to raise money and they assigned different point values to different items but the different items could include people um so they just went around the city grabbing people like physical people so i guess they planted these people and paid them for their time i suppose so i i guess that's a good way to make money kind of (laughs) i don't know how many of these can happen though I don't know. I guess a lot. If you want to hear a more detailed reading of the article Mikey found, you can go to our Patreon and sign up for the bloopers. <laughs> and then Georgina's show is closed down on account for being... Wait. When was she in a show? The Macbeth. 
Oh, I forgot. It's been a long time. We went down a rabbit hole about debutantes. <laughs> I can't remember. And then Georgina's show is closed down on account of being communist infested. Oh, infested. <laughs> <laughs> I just think of like little cockroaches with like yeah. little red hats on like, yes, <laughs> it is me. Communist cockroach. Come, little world. friends. Crumbs for all. Crumbs for all. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> Georgina's reaction tighten your belt and aim higher I don't understand that phrase but okay who knows but she's gonna sing about it soon I guess cause the, she sings the next song being good should I try am I strong enough is there time like this song um i feel like it could be more powerful because the message is good i Um, feel like the first song she sang was better than this song yes it was but this one kind of i'm not gonna say builds on it they they do introduce the original song back into the orchestration Mm -hmm. to have like this is a continuation of this kind of but you know i i do like the questioning am i strong enough and her proclamation that um i'll be the best or nothing at all it's it's good you see where she's moving in the story but i just i want it to be more powerful yeah the lyrics were fine i just didn't think that the music really matched i wish that it felt more driven i don't know i don't know there was something missing and i can't place it yeah well let's see where her story goes oakley doakley All this time, Clem has been under increasing pressure from Georgina to do something about their condition in life. And meanwhile, as exemplified by the tireless Ethel played by Marilyn Cooper, agents dedicated to overthrowing the government and incidentally kicking the bosses in the belly are making inroads among the poor and black people. Clem is a natural joiner. He is taken in. (laughs) That's a horrible thing to say! I hope I'm never, ever talked about like that. (laughs) He loves being part of the crowd. He's basically a sheep. (laughs) What? I think Clem has more going on, but okay. Mm -hmm. This is definitely not Georgina's idea of effective action. Mm -hmm. And she tries to argue him out of it. Okay. But having endured all this pressure to do something and then done it, He's not going to listen to a woman. Oh. They have a falling out. Well, yeah, after he says that, I would too. (laughs) Bye, Clem. I thought I liked you. Which leads Georgina to sing a song called 
I wanted to change him. Didn't we all? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Story of every woman's life. Okay, well, I can't say that. I haven't listened to it yet. Let's yeah, yeah, listen. Yeah. I wanted to mold him. I told him to stop playing dead. Turn on his heat. Now take a look at what I created. Yes, yes, yes. This song is so good. Yeah, I found myself swaying to it. Um, I will say, like, when I saw the title, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a sad ballad. But no, not at all. It's good. It's really good. This is like a good breakup song. <laughs> I really like it because it's not sad. No, not at all. It's just this is what happened. I messed up. He messed up. We messed up. You can't change per- people if they don't want to be changed. I tried my best. I knew what was best, and he decided to leave. Georgina and Mama are now living in an abandoned Chinese restaurant. What year is it? It's still the 30s. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Still, Georgina's made some strides. She's beginning to be pretty good as an entertainer. Good enough to teach her white girlfriend, Mary, how to hold her note. No great success yet, but there's always tomorrow to work on. Oh, like voice lessons? I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, hold mm-hmm. her note. So that leads to the song, Another Day. It's really random, but it does confirm at the end that Georgina does teach Mary to sing a high note Mm -hmm. for a prolonged (laughs) period of time. So that's about the only thing plot-wise that happened during this song. (laughs) Great success, though. She's moving onward and upward. I don't know. Why is this song here? (laughs) And who is the other guy? It's Harvey, Clem, Mary, and Georgina. Oh, Clem is back? I I don't know. When did he show up? I have no clue. Oh. That's just what it says who sings it, and he's listed there. What in the actual heck? Uh, I have no clue. Okay, well, it's cute. Uh It's... Definitely not the sun will come out tomorrow, but it's trying to be uplifting and happy, but it's just not as happy as some of the other songs we've heard. The song before this was happier than this. Yeah. This kind of feels like a carousel that I really want to get off of. (laughs) It's just like a little ditty that you just can plop down kind of anywhere. I guess that's what they did here. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. In the 40s, an act two. Mm. 
Georgina is a black entertainer in an integrated USO show playing an army camp where Clem is a sergeant and Harvey is a second lieutenant assigned as morale officer. But Clem and Georgina are still estranged. Oh. And Harvey's growing interest in Georgina has not been expressed openly. No, it has not. Mm-hmm. There was actually kind of no indication based on this synopsis that that was ever... Harvey disappeared for about 10 years, so... That's true. And all, I mean, there was that moment where she couldn't say his name. Yeah, I get. maybe it's not reciprocated. Uh, or maybe knows? she was just so Twitter-painted. Lost for words. Yes. So this leads to the next song entitled... Talking to yourself. Yes, it's time you spoke. Don't let your chance go up in smoke. Just take the plunge and go for broke. Oh, wind up by yourself. makes me feel a bit depressed yeah and it it's weird because the topic isn't necessarily depressing i mean it's something that a lot of people do they talk to themselves when they're kind of trying to maybe rev themselves up or build the courage to do something right it kind of feels like i believe in you from how to succeed in business without Mm. really trying where he's like singing to himself in the mirror and he's like, I believe in you. You could do the thing. <laughs> but only these people are saying it with such a somber tone that it doesn't really seem like they're going to do anything. It just seems like they're eeyoring their way about life. <laughs> yes. And they're like, well, I guess I could have done this, but I didn't do it. Yeah. Now it's too late. Now I don't know when I'm going to be able to do it again. <laughs> it's just annoying. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't this topic, it's a nice sounding song. Yeah, for a funeral. <laughs> Jeez, oh, Pete. Okay, let's go. But it's nice to hear Harvey sing. He's nice. Mm-hmm. He has a nice voice. When Harvey announces that the top brass wants to segregate Georgina's audiences, Clem and Harvey induce her to quit the troupe. She does, and they accompany her to the train station 20 miles by bus. Harvey naturally sits with Clem and Georgina in the back, but the driver won't move the bus till Harvey comes to sit up front. While the driver waits for Harvey to give in, he whistles a happy tune. This makes Georgina good and mad. Harvey, the white liberal, can't even manage his own kind. Clem's solution, which is to organize until you get enough like-minded people going for you, doesn't help either right now. She'll have to do it herself. So she does. Her new act is a sensational nightclub gospel number declaring and celebrating her independence. All right. Which leads to the title track, Hallelujah, Baby. Miss Georgina Franklin. Watch out. I'm busting out. I got a shout, I just found out 
what life's about. I said, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. Very fitting for the title. Kind of, Why? Because uh, they say hallelujah, baby? Yes, <laughs> but it also has that like very driving, it, it sounds like a gospel number. Mm-hmm. With the tambourine and the, the backup singers. And the repetitiveness. <laughs> I mean, you gotta admit, it's pretty repetitive. It is. I didn't find any like great lyrics. Oh, heck in no. It. I will say at the beginning, there was a glimmer of a moment where it sounded a teeny bit like I'll march my band down I'll beat my drum a little bit yeah okay if you coughed you missed it but (laughs) I feel like it was kind of there I think it's kind of missing something and I don't know what but it could be the product of again Jewish writers writing a song that's not their forte yes in their wheelhouse like it's a good constructed song but it's not like their normal thing right it's also i mean i'm all for her leaving these men behind and finding her own independence and all that stuff but it's not super warranted like we didn't go through some crazy breakup or trial and tribulation with her Mm -hmm. so it's not raising us to new heights no with her also it's a show within a show so how high (laughs) could it raise us anyway she's not speaking from her own personal story she's performing at a nightclub very true let's keep going okay see where it takes us we're now in the 50s Mm -hmm. and georgina is a full-fledged star wow gowned to the teeth what does that mean i don't know (laughs) her teeth have gowns (laughs) gowns to the teeth she has a mouth full of fabric (laughs) is that like dressed to the gills i think it is gowned to the the teeth? It must be. <laughs> Surrounded by white admirers, running tight and tiny, but making it big for herself. What? She sings only in nightclubs that permit black people to sit down. Oh. But this accomplishment isn't enough for Clem. Now a leader. Clem? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought we were done with him. I don't know. <laughs> I thought we just had a whole song about how we were independent, but okay. But this accomplishment isn't enough for Clem, now a leader in the civil rights movement. Wow. Harvey is the operator of the nightclub where Georgina works. Oh. Clem comes to hear Georgina and runs into Harvey, who has overcome his prejudice, fallen in love with her, and proposed. Wait. A a lot has happened. Wait, wait, wait. I'm confused as to where that sentence came from. Me too. And also, you know, because they don't age, are they experiencing time the same way? But maybe I'm thinking too much. That is way too much for this. (laughs) This is not a sci-fi thriller. So he proposes. Yes. Okay. Or he has proposed already at this point. Oh, how would we know that? Okay. Yeah. The two men eye each other suspiciously. Clem isn't grateful that Harvey's nightclub lets black people sit down. He thinks it's time that black people stood up and were counted. And he feels Georgina will never marry Harvey. While that makes for a nice sentence <laughs> about the sitting versus standing, uh, I don't really fully understand his dilemma here. Uh, <laughs> I, I understand that black people still need to be fighting for rights because they definitely didn't have mm-hmm. and still don't have enough rights in this country 
But comparing it and saying, I don't like your nightclub, you let black people sit down and we need to stand up and fight, doesn't really fully work for me. Everyone needs to relax. And also, stop picking on Harvey just because you're (laughs) jealous that... Yeah, there's many levels to this. I'm just confused by that sentence. And the re- I think he's just jealous, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Okay. And he feels Georgina will never marry Harvey. Alone, Harvey admits it may be true. Well, yeah. And he sings a song about it. Not mine. Harvey. Harvey sings it or Clem sings it? Harvey. Okay, Harvey sings. She's divine. Touch not. Clutch not. Stay. The girl is his, not mine. She didn't turn me down. I hope she'll call. She suits me fine. Well, after all, I'm not saying that she will, but the girl could still. Okay. This man's vibrato is weird. <laughs> I like Clem's voice better. <laughs> if we're going by voices, I pick Clem. Now, if we're going by content, I pick no one. Well, I mean, here's the thing. This song, like I will say for the end of time, women don't belong to anyone. Mm. So saying, the girl is his, not mine. You're half right and half wrong. She's not <laughs> yours, but she's also not a belonging to someone else. How about she can decide whatever the heck she wants to decide, and she doesn't belong to anyone, and if she doesn't want to be with you or him, she can decide that too. Okay, rant over. But, like, how about as long as you're mine from Wicked? Is that fine because they both agree that they're each other's? That's mutual. Okay. That's not a song singing about, like, I lost her, she was mine. No. Okay, okay. But she used to be mine is about herself, so she's allowed to sing that. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, yes, 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 yes. Now, my thoughts on this, uh, firstly, I think his voice is fine. But secondly, I'm very confused. So Harvey just told Clem that he proposed and all this stuff. I don't think he's lying. What happened? I mean, I don't have the script, but like, did she say maybe? Or she said, yeah, sure, that's fine. I don't think the audience knows either. From what you said, I yeah, don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, Harvey and Clem meet. And he's like, guess what? I proposed. Yeah. And Clem's like, oh, really? Yeah. What'd she say? Well, she hasn't gotten back to me yet. <laughs> <laughs> either way, it's a fine ballad. I'm not writing home about it. No, but it's fine. Let's go and see if they get married. Mama is another one. Oh my God, where has she been? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Mama is another one, not exactly overawed by Georgina's personal success. She frankly admits that she can't understand the change in Georgina, but then she could never explain anything about Georgina, least of all where she got her fabulous talent, which leads to a song. I don't know where she got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wonder what that's about. Oh, yeah, yeah. But also, she does have a father somewhere. Somewhere. 
We don't know him. He's not in this show. But <laughs> no. could he potentially be talented? Yeah. I only taught her what I know. Sweep an old plantation floor and how to milk a cow. Ah, but watch my baby milk a bow. Who's gonna solve this mystery? My baby, can she get that something? I don't know where she got it. She sure didn't get it from me. She must have got it from her. She sure didn't get it from me. Okay, I actually really do like this song. So many thoughts, though. Firstly, it's great to hear Mama sing again. I forgot it's been, you know, since the beginning of Act One. <laughs> and we haven't heard her for quite a while. Uh, was it beginning? It was probably like middle. Either way. It's been too long. Too, 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 too long. I always think it's funny when someone says that, like, I'm untalented, I can't sing, and then they, like, belt out a ridiculous, like, good-sounding song and tone. She does do speak-singy things every now and then in this, Mm -hmm. but, like, it ends in a big Broadway, like... She's not tone deaf. Not at all. Not at all. It's not like, see, I really couldn't sing. I could never really sing. This is, like, definitely, like, 11 o'clock number material. But it's the 11 o'clock number... And it's not the leading ladies. Yes. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> like, it's totally a scene stealer, showstopper. Um, I think it still could have been pumped up. For sure. Like, it's it's at, like, a six. <laughs> yes. And I, 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 it, it could be at a nine. I, I might be tricked because of the seeming barrage of downer numbers mm-hmm. that we have received. And like Hallelujah Baby, the song, not meeting where I kind of want it to be. But this one is like, oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's satisfying. But also kind of coming out of nowhere-ish. Ish. Well, it is because we <laughs> haven't seen Mama <laughs> yeah. in forever. She's literally coming out of actual nowhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of thought she might have been dead at this point. And then I forgot that they don't age. I- so she's still however old she was. At the beginning in 1910 or whatever time period we were in then. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of remember she won a Tony Award. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing her role in the first act, I kind of knew that there had to be something else. Unless, you know, there's a bunch of acting that we just don't see that's like really fantastic. Yeah. Which I, I'm sure she is. But this one her the Tony. <laughs> definitely. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so even though Julie Stein did not write the lyrics for this he does have a few songs about mothers taking credit for their children's work like in gypsy and also in funny girl with who taught her everything she knows (laughs) so it seems like even though he didn't write the lyrics he maybe suggested that theme interesting i like your line of thought i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's all possible well let's see did we see the last of her or do we get more let's see 
Mama brings Georgina's purse to her at a party at the club. Seeing Mama, one of Georgina's posh white lady friends, compliments Georgina on her marvelously devoted and faithful maid. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. Georgina breaks. She realizes that she has gone over too far into the white world. Somehow, Clem and other black people have gone far ahead of her. She's got to get out and sing for everyone's supper, not just her own. A pastel, crazy quilt of jubilant young dancers celebrate the beginnings of real integration in a hallelujah march, but it's not over yet. Harvey has arranged for Mama and Georgina to move into a first-class apartment building, otherwise entirely white-occupied, and Clem is distressed. He says, we're done taking help from Charlie. It's true. Without ever having to say so exactly, Georgina decides and indicates clearly enough to Harvey that her choice is and always was Clem. Luckily for Harvey, faithful girlfriend Mary is standing by more than willing to watch Harvey drown his sorrows and then pick it up from there. Clem and Georgina are a part in their feelings as to dealing with the society they live in. But Georgina is determined that they get married. When? Clem asks. When I come round your way of thinking, or when you come round to mine? When all we have to think about is us, Georgina replies. Well, that'll be the 12th of never. There's always going to be stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Clem takes her in his arms and asks, Oh, Georgina, darling, when in hell is that ever going to be? Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you, Clem. I, I knew I liked you. And the company enters with the answer, Now is the time. Which is the name of the song. <laughs> it's the name of the finale. How did we get here? <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I I got some of it and I didn't get I mean I clearly I got now is the time. Okay, clear. But I got it. But then some lyrics I was like, what are you talking about? When the is it faces or bases look like one big face? I think it's faces. I couldn't find the lyrics to this song anywhere. I don't know what they said, but either way, it makes no sense. <laughs> mm -mm. Where the faces look like one big face? No clue. Where the bases look like one big face? No. Where the laces look like one big face? I don't know. No clue. Nothing makes sense. I don't understand. I don't know how we got here. I don't know what just happened. Those lyrics were atrocious. <laughs> so that being said, let's learn about the people who wrote those lovely lyrics. Oh my goodness. Comden and Green. <laughs> So these are two people that are always working as a team. They never, never separate. So we're going to talk about their mutual accomplishments, but we're going to do like a couple little bits about them before they met right now. So ladies first, 
So we'll start with Betty Comden. She was born on May 3rd, 1917 as Basia Cohen to Russian immigrant parents in Brooklyn. Her father was a lawyer and her mother was an English teacher. She studied drama at NYU and graduated in 1938 and shortly after met Adolph Green. Adolph Green was born on December 2nd, 1914 in the Bronx to Hungarian immigrant parents. Growing up, he got bad grades, but was good at poetry and acting and had an ear for music. Now, after high school, he was a runner for Wall Street while he tried to be an actor until that fateful day when he met Betty Comden through mutual friends. Together, from then on, Comden and Green started a satirical musical group called The Reviewers. Basically, they were Randy Rainbow, but a whole group of Randy Rainbows performing live. <laughs> Could you imagine? It would be so much and so cool. Yes. This group included Judy Holliday and Leonard Bernstein, and they performed at the Vanguard in the village. So Leonard Bernstein was not an official member of the group, but because he lived with Adolf Green at the time, he came along to rehearsals and contributed some stuff. The reviewers were offered a small spot in the 1944 movie entitled Greenwich Village, but Adolph Green's role was cut out. Meanwhile, while they were in L.A., their buddy Leonard Bernstein was shot into stardom when he conducted a radio concert of the New York Philharmonic as the standby at the last minute. Because of his new celebrity, Bernstein was asked to turn his ballet Fancy Free into a musical, and he knew just who to ask to write the book and lyrics, his friends Betty Comden and Adolph Green. So that ballet turned into On the Town, their first Broadway show, but not only as writers. They were clever. They wrote themselves parts. They still had to audition, but it was their debut as performers. Sneaky, sneaky. They became very popular and wrote the book and lyrics to another show, Billion Dollar Baby, just one year later in 1945. But it was a flop. They turned towards movies and wrote screenplays, including the screenplay for On the Town, which cut out most of Bernstein's music and he was less than thrilled. In fact, he boycotted the movie. They also wrote the screenplay for Singing in the Rain. And they wrote those lyrics for Moses supposes his toes aren't roses. Arguably one of the best songs in the show. No one has to argue. It's the best <laughs> song in the show. Comden and Green finally stuck their toes back in the musical theater water by collaborating with Julie Stein on Two on the Isle in 1951, a musical review. Leonard Bernstein never lost his friendship with the two, despite his disappointment with the On the Town movie, and he worked with them again in 1953 on Wonderful Town. Funnily enough, that was the lyric that had to be changed in the On the Town movie in New York, New York, a wonderful town. Uh, <laughs> it used to be New York, New York, a hell of a town. But apparently that was too racy for the movies. Compton and Green and Julie Stein were all brought on to write additional songs for Peter Pan by Jerome Robbins' request during an out-of-town tryout. Woot woot! People were very loyal to their friends at this time in show business. I mean, they still are, kind of, but it's a bigger club. Mm -hmm. Back then, it was a very small club, as you can tell, because everyone just worked with everyone. 
For Bells Are Ringing in 1956, Comden and Green were reunited with their buddy Judy Holliday from the reviewers. Julie Stein was there, as well as Jerome Robbins, and Bob Fosse got in on the action, too. They went on to write many more musicals, including Applause, Lorelei, On the 20th Century, Will Rogers' Follies, and A Doll's Life, which is a doll's house the musical. <laughs> we we need to buy it, but it's definitely not a dollar. No. So, if you want to sponsor that record, you can go to our Patreon and become a backer. So, Betty Comden and Adolph Green both married different people. For Adolph Green, it was actually three different people, and they all <laughs> had children. Betty Comden died on Thanksgiving Day. November 23rd, 2006. And Adolph Green died on October 23rd, 2002. Well, on to another person involved. Arthur Lawrence wrote the book. He was born on July 14th, 1917 as Arthur Levine in Flatbush, Brooklyn. His father was a lawyer and his mother was a school teacher. He changed his last name to, quote, get a job. So there's no information really on his childhood, which leads us to assume it was pretty normal and average. (laughs) (laughs) The only other thing we know is that he attended Cornell University to study theater. After graduation, he took evening classes at NYU on radio writing, and he wrote a radio play called Now Playing Tomorrow, which was produced in 1939 by CBS, starring Shirley Booth. From there, he was hired to write various radio shows until he was drafted into the Army in 1941. But in the Army, he was assigned to the U.S. Army Pictorial Service, stationed in Astoria. So far away. (laughs) There he wrote scripts for training videos and armed forces radio programs. After the war, Arthur Lawrence wrote the play, Home of the Brave, which was produced on Broadway in 1945. This play got him blacklisted for suspected communist sympathies. As an individual, he was active in civil rights and was a part of a Marxist study group. So the whole timeline and reasoning for the blacklisting is very convoluted and complicated, so we're going to have to find some sort of book on the subject. Hopefully libraries will open soon maybe and then we will read it and get back to you on a later episode when we run into arthur lawrence again he did write a few movies before being blacklisted including rope an alfred hitchcock film after being blacklisted lawrence got a passport and traveled around europe for a year and a half with farley granger his lover and an actor in rope as well as Stella Adler, an actor and famous teacher, and Harold Klerman, a director and drama critic. That is a trip. (laughs) Yes. Since film was not in the cards, he wrote plays in the early 50s, including The Birdcage. No, not the one you're thinking. Mm. A different one. And Time of the Cuckoo. Eventually, he was let back into Hollywood, but Broadway was his real home. Arthur Lawrence wrote West Side Story, Gypsy, Anyone Can Whistle, Do I Hear a Waltz, and Nick and Nora. He also directed I Can Get It For You Wholesale, Three Revivals of Gypsy, The Original Cast of Lacage, The 2009 Revival of West Side Story, which I saw. He also wrote the famous movies The Way We Were 
and the turning point. He died May 5th, 2011, at 93. So we don't really have a clean and clear origin story for this show. It was the tail end of the civil rights movement. Long overdue change was happening for black Americans, but it was slow and people were not receptive. So perhaps we're speculating that this show was a way for four Jewish white people with a modicum of celebrity felt that they could make an impact and instigate change. It unfortunately didn't really seem to work, as we can tell from reviews and also how it's been completely forgotten. How Walter Kerr wrote a review that was very polarizing in response to seeing this show. He basically said many times in many different ways that he found the themes and overall story to be repetitive, dulled down, and condescending. The man had a thesaurus. Mm-hmm. He even says, quote, but the facts do not need to be reported again. Certainly not with a sticky kindliness unless something vivid and fresh or funny and trenchant has been perceived in the whole sorry history. Mr. Lawrence, alas, has had one of those days when inspiration won't come. He simply puts down what we all know even more simply than we know it, practically on the level of those grade school readers that announce, Jim is a man. Jim lives next door to us. (laughs) I just think that is so shady the way he says it. It is incredibly shady. It's really rude i mean i see where he's coming from definitely but wow but at the same time i still disagree with him this review led to a few very interesting letters to the editor a couple weeks later in the drama mailbag of the new york times quote i am sorry to have to take issue with the main point made by walter kerr and his review of hallelujah baby Mr. Kerr pans this unusual new musical comedy for not being abreast of the times in dealing with the subject of American race relations. Mr. Kerr saw this production about the advance of the Negro citizenry as, quote, a course in Civics 1 when everyone in the world has already got to Civics 6. Also so shady. So shady. (sighs) Okay, keep going with the quote. Mr. Kerr must move in highly enlightened circles, for every day I encounter a lot of our fellow Americans for whom even Civics 1 on race relations would be very advanced indeed. He schooled him so good! So good. (laughs) So, normally we do not even name the people who write into the mailbag. Maybe we should Mm -hmm. from now on. Because the way that this person wrote... Just his whole letter was so well written, and he just had such a very distinct point of view that I decided to Google his name, and his name is Ralph J. Bunch, and when I Googled it, I found a person named Ralph Johnson Bunch, so he was a political scientist, and he was actually the first African-American man to be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1950. So he kind of knows what he's talking about on this subject, if this is him, which I mean, who else could it be? But Mm -hmm. either way, you should look up Ralph J. Bunch because he's a pretty important guy and he did a lot. Yes. So this is not a one woman show. Clearly, there are other people in the cast other than Leslie Uggams. 
Yeah, she had a lot of help. <laughs> he did. Um, so let's just go over a few other notable people. So we'll start with Lillian Heyman, who played Mama. She got a Tony Award for this show, and this got her recognized by One Life to Live casting directors, and she played the character of Sadie Gray for 17 years. That is insane. Can you imagine playing a role for that long? Mm -mm. So it is funny to note that she made her Broadway debut in Shinbone Alley as the character Mother, followed by Quamina, in which she played Mammy Trader, and then this show where she plays Mama. So <laughs> she likes playing the mommies. Robert Hooks, that played Clem, received a Tony nomination for his performance in this show. He was a replacement on Broadway often and was in several other shows. He went on to found the Negro Ensemble Company that still exists today, which earned a special Tony in 1969 and... A show of theirs, The River Niger, ended up on Broadway and won another Tony for Best Play in 1974. So the last person we will talk about is Marilyn Cooper. She played Ethel, and she was also in the ensemble. You barely heard her. But just a fun fact, she was also in 2 by 2 as Leah. So you can learn about that show and hear her sing in episode 4. So we have come to the moment that I have actually been waiting for because I <laughs> want to know. Mikey, do you think this show should still be produced? One, two, three. Maybe. No. I don't think it's necessary, and I think the amount of rewrites that it would need would just take too much time. The, definitely the show as is, the way that I read it, I don't think it can be produced in today's world. It's kind of... No, it is offensive. Although, you know, I'm a half Asian, half white man. What am I to say? But... It's not our story, but I can still say that this story, the way it's written right now, is not good to go. I mean, it's good to go away, but it's not good to go, like on stage right mm -hmm. the way it is i will say that in the mid 2000s arthur lawrence took another look at it and rewrote parts of it himself but still he's still one of the original writers i think it needs another voice if you're going to rewrite this and well and also he just wrote the book did he rewrite any of the music? He's not a music writer. Did he rewrite no. any of the lyrics? Adolph Green's daughter rewrote the lyrics. Oh, yeah. But, you know, again, that's still, unfortunately, two people that are not people of color that are rewriting the show. I think maybe there could be a new show that you could say is inspired by Hallelujah Baby. Like, mm -hmm. the concept of this show is very interesting. You see... A person go through different time periods and see how they are relating to the world around them in that time period because of their race mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah if you are to produce this show make sure you have the right people with the right perspective and really really think about it before you do it yeah i mean rights are kind of average i think they're a little bit expensive for what this show might have to offer because it's a little bit i don't want to say it's controversial but 
It is controversial. I guess. So you can get the rights at Concord Theatricals, and they are one of the places that have a fun little calculator. So for a 100-seat house, for tickets ranging between $25 and $50, for 16 performances, the rights are going to run you $7,800 or thereabouts, depending on your zip code. But even though this show had its ups and downs, and for me it was mostly downs, there are still some great, great songs yes. in the show. So it's time for audition cuts. So no surprise to anyone at all, I picked My Own Morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, this song is really slow. So I picked a 30-second cut, but it's not my favorite i don't know what the deal is musically with this like is this 16 bars i don't know probably maybe but it's really (laughs) slow so maybe it's not but if you wanted to expand this cut a little bit so that there was more of a story arc that might be a good idea but if you don't have time maybe try this i want a flower that belongs to me I want a chair that belongs to me. I want to know when I rock in that chair, I look up at my own ceiling. And oh, what a feeling that's gonna be. It's cute. It shows a want, need, and desire, mm-hmm. and a tiny yet little arc. so i think this would be good for if you want to audition for ado annie or cinderella like i said before or erzuli in once on this island also funny thing that i think it kind of sounds like make someone happy which julie stein did write fun earworm maybe only i can hear does this song sound like that song? yeah okay cool 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 okay your turn tag you're it all right so the song i'm choosing is watch my dust one of the clem songs from earlier in the show i just love it and on that day that belongs to you we will rock in that chair in your own morning just watch my dust and you'll see you're gonna be very proud of me so switch the track watch my steam and i'll be back with your dream i'll i'm gonna make it or bust just watch honey won't you watch this baby's dust yeah that was fun yeah so you know, I feel like this is a good utility song because it would work for plenty of golden agey slash just general classic musicals. It has like a nice Frank Sinatra swing vibe. I was thinking specifically Nicely Nicely from Guys and Dolls. But then I was thinking this kind of sounds like a musical from 
something rotten, maybe it might work for Nostradamus in that show. Who knows? It could work for like Cole Porter style. Yeah. Too. Anything goes or yeah. But yeah, I, I think this is a good utility song. It's fun. All right. So any final thoughts before we leave this show in the dust? Yes. See what I did there? <laughs> anyway. So I do have final thoughts. Okay, go. I have to mention that I, I do see the importance in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, in its time, because Broadway was even less diverse than it was today, by, by like a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe it was important to expose Broadway audiences to this particular story. Oh, I totally agree with you. But despite its good intentions, today... It just seems kind of dated. It Hmm. just comes in this really weird packaging. The bones of this show are good and relevant and should be heard from miles around. It just, it doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel right. And I I can't completely pinpoint it. Anyway, if you disagree and you just really want to produce this, if you have the right team assembled, do it. And let me know. I'd like to see it. Maybe you can change my mind. Well, I'm pretty bummed to be leaving this show not on a amazing note. But guess what? That's the joy of this podcast. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's like playing the lottery. Leslie Uggams is great. <laughs> <laughs> that is all for today. Yes, thank you so, so much for listening. Yes, thank you so much. And if you like what you heard on this podcast, please Leave us a review on iTunes. It would really mean so much. Five stars. You could just leave a little rating without saying anything. Or leave a little a little note. Maybe we'll start reading some on the air. But again, only if it's nice. If you Yeah, wanna... if it's bad, it'll really mess up our algorithm apparently. <laughs> so just don't do that. If you want to email us any suggestions, though, you can do that at buriedbroadway at gmail.com. Please follow us on Instagram at Buried Broadway or search for Buried Broadway on Facebook. If you want to hear the blooper reel for this episode, get general access to our detailed show citations, or just generally support us and this podcast, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash buriedbroadway. And remember to subscribe to our podcast. You can just click a little button on whatever app you are listening on right now that says subscribe. And that means that whenever there's a new episode, it'll just automatically download to your phone. How sweet is that? Mm -hmm. What will we dig dig up up next? (laughs) Bye. Toodles. I know we just played you some songs from the show. But that doesn't mean we have the rights, you know. We're educating you and ourselves, you see. With musicals lost in history. So please don't call your lawyers. That would kill the vibe. We just want to make podcasts. And keep... Buried Broadway alive. When the hurly burl is done, when the battle's lost and won, 